0: This is Dennis Donahue, and welcome back to another episode of Imagine a Great City. And I'm uh, delighted to be joined by uh, Salinas's Police Chief Roberto Felice. Roberto, thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, you know we ha- we had a wonderful pre-episode conversation, and and I know we'll share some of that with with our listeners. But uh, you know, I particularly appreciate you taking the time because we were just talking about all the all the time that you and your officers. Uh, devote to our community. And I, I know I speak for a lot of people when we say we appreciate that. So thanks for being here. Thank you, it's my pleasure here. to be here. Good. Well, let's let's talk a little bit, I, I always like to ask folks, to, uh, talk a little bit about your background and your journey to how you became the police chief of
1: Salinas. Sure, I'll uh, I keep it short because it's actually a long journey. No, I know but I know. Uh, as everybody knows, I was born and raised in Italy. I came here when I was 17 years old, but my goal and dream was always to be a police officer and eventually several several years later i finally uh, was able to achieve that because i've been now a police chief excuse me a police officer for about 26 years and started my career up in chico uh, because that was the first police department that gave me a shot really enjoyed being there and through a long journey because of family reasons and everything else i ended up restarting my career in monterey county where i started with the uh, the Seaside Police Department where I made it to sergeant and then uh, got hired in Marina as a commander. I was there uh, for five years, was the interim chief, tested to be chief, didn't get the position, but I really enjoyed being where I was at. And uh, at that time, Chief I said, hey, I'm looking for an assistant chief. Why don't you come and help me out with what we're trying to accomplish? And I loved the challenge. You know, it's, it's a great police department So, worked for uh, Salinas as an assistant chief for four years, and then a year ago became the police chief of Salinas, and here I am. Here you
0: are. Well, and you you also have a a business background. I want you to talk a little bit about that, and then we'll we'll segue into how that kind of informs how you go about the business
1: of policing in Salinas. Absolutely. And uh, how the business background came about was, uh, unfortunately, uh, my former wife uh, got sick, and I had to leave law enforcement to, uh, procure for her and take care of her. And I figured, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I always had the business, business mind documents. So I, I became a business consultant. And in that, uh, part of being a business consultant, obviously I learned the, everything about businesses, but also we're fortunate that I got hired by companies to actually build a factory in China. So I, I lived in China for a little while while I was be, building a factory, learned a ton about, buildings I didn't know anything about to be honest but I always looked at the perspective of the business aspect so when I came to law you know when I came back to law enforcement and became an executive I looked at the fact and this is what I tell my command staff and my officers all the time don't look at us as a police department anymore we are a corporation and as a corporation we're not here to make money but we're here to provide a service and if we don't provide the best service possible our customers are going to leave us and go somewhere else and once we lose our customers we're going to lose a reason to exist and we're going to go bankrupt and fold up and go home so if you don't want to bank be bankrupt then provide the best service ever because we're fighting for those customers every day and our customers are the people that live in salinas the people that visit salinas and the businesses that are in salinas so that's my concept about. Law enforcement we got to stop the mentality oh we are with the warriors fighting the war no we are a corporation provided a service and we'll provide the best service ever
0: you know i'm a little, I'm a little curious because uh and, and as you know there's a lot of conversation well there's lots of conversations about the police business in the in this country and we'll get at that a little bit but you know this uh, co- you know this community policing has been around a long time and I, I i remember as a much younger person when I was a San Jose JC and police chief, Joe McNamara came and talked to us and he's kind of perceived as the father or author of yes. a community policing. And, and I've, I've always kind of wondered, you know, why are we still talking? I mean, you want to talk about it, but it like, well, have, but how do we update it? So I'm just kind of curious, you know, that corporate framing, is that a, Bit of an update to uh, how you might look at community policing to bring along with that orientation to we're not the warriors anymore. We're here for the community, but we have to go about our business a certain way.
1: It is. and, And the reason why it's a it's a component of it is because of the fact that the community has to understand that the police department itself by itself, it's not going to be able to produce the results that you want. If you want results, then we have to work together. And that's what I you know, keep on telling my officers, and that's why I'm huge on transparency. We are not, The police department is not an island on itself. We are just a component of Salinas, the whole world of Salinas. So we and the community working together, it's what gets us the results. But we, we cannot do that if we think that we're always going to war, if we think that everybody out there is out there to hurt us. No, the, the, the community supports us. The Salinas community is a huge supporter of the police department. And if we, want them, if we want them to continue to support us, we need to open up our doors to them and stop being the, I'm the police, you're the public, I don't talk to you. No, we're both working for the same goal, which is a safe community. And that's what the transformation has been, at least within the Salinas Police Department. My officer has been fantastic about it. And that's why you see them now getting out in the communities they do stuff that I don't even know about. I have a sergeant that every Christmas, unbeknownst to me, goes out and buys clothes for some of the families that can't afford clothes for their kids. He doesn't say that to anybody, but just he say, hey, that's the right thing to do for the community. Thanksgiving, when we were all working, two of my officers, again, unbeknownst to me, because we don't, we don't tout it. We don't say, hey, look what we're doing. That's not what it's about. They went out and bought a bunch of food and reached out to some of the homeless people and provide food to them. Just say, you know, it's a tough day for you also. And that's what they did. That's what your Salinas officers do every day. And that's the way it should be because that's the difference between being a warrior where you're just looking to survive in a war as opposed to being part of the community. And you step in and you help the community whenever you need to. And that's what our cops are doing
0: uh, that almost sounds like an updated version of you know the uh, cop on the beat in the neighborhoods <laughs> does not it you know now you just need to you know and we'll get into uh, well how many do you need to to do that but the, the one thing i have uh, you know i'm always uh, i try and be much more focused on our our guests and what they have to say the one point of view that i've kind of put out uh, during when i've done the imagine a great city episodes though is the whole defund the police Conversation really bothered me, and and it bothered me because as as a former mayor, and I, I and you know you're sitting in in a chair where you're you know you're in in the, in the game now is you want to protect the community, you want to do the right job, and, and it was just the wrong conversation. And to me, the r- real conversation seemed to be how do we have a safe and peaceful community, and and then that's the framing, and then you you work from there. So you know. So, comment a little bit about that. You know, first of all, how has that movement uh, affected uh, our police department? Uh, but the other thing is, as a business person, when you lay out the service corporation, what's involved in that in terms of number of officers, type of equipment you need? Uh, it's you know that that type of thing. I, so I know that's a lot, but no,
1: absolutely, and we can certainly discuss the Defund the police, you know, movement. It's first of all, you know, what people need to understand is the United States is a huge country. We know we got 360 million people, but we're holding our officer hostage to some movement for something that happened thousands of miles away from us. In California, I'm pleased to say, and I've traveled to our United States, I have met executives from to our United States. In California, we have the best trained police officers. Period. And interesting enough, when the whole George Floyd situation happened, we were out, you know, doing, people were protesting peacefully in Salinas, so I am very thankful for that. And I had officers uh, just down the street from where the protest was taking place, just to make sure if something happened, then we would step in, but let's just step back. And uh, as I'm talking to them, I had a brand new officer that just came out of the academy, and we were just chit-chatting, having a general conversation, and he said, you know, chief, that could never happen in Salinas. I said, well, why do you say that? I mean, just as it happened somewhere else, why couldn't it happen in Salinas that one of our officers loses his school and whatever the situation might be? He said, because that's not how we're trained. We will step in immediately. We will stop that. That could never happen in Salinas. And this came from an officer that had about two or three months on the job. So that's where their mentality is at. But we're paying the price for some officers that did something miles and thousands of miles away so now everybody jumps on the wagon oh the police is bad we need to defund them we need to reallocate those funds to other parts of the city and i'm all good for helping the city out i concur a thousand percent but taking money away from the people that protect you because yeah you can build brand new parks but who's going to keep the gangs out of them you can build you know brand new sidewalks who's going to keep people from parking on the sidewalks and destroying them And that's where you need your police force. But the police force, again, it's part of the community. So that's where we work together. If you need funding, sit down with me and tell me, hey, this is how much money I need. Can you guys help us out? Because every year when I spend money, I don't look at it. Hey, this is free money to me. No, this is my money. And actually, if I have to lose money, I got to lose my money than the public money. So I'm very, very attentive to how we spend money. Just because I have a budget doesn't mean that I have to spend it all, and I try never to spend everything that I got. I only spend what I actually need to protect my constituents.
0: No, I, well, I think that's well taken, and that was that was my frustration. Certainly, everybody is in complete consensus, you know, that what happened was deplorable. Officer needed. You know those officers needed to be addressed, and and I that's a terrific comment by your, you know, your new officer to pick up the the difference in training and that sort of thing, and I and I really like what you're saying in terms of you're, you're part of the community. I I never like either or. To me, it's okay. What does the police need? Okay, what would be the best possible parks and recreation scenario for our community? Best library thing, you know, because I think you know the, the I I always used to tell people when I was the mayor should is such an interesting word now, now now let me give let me give you know just give you some of the things we have to have to have to deal with and and so um i i appreciate what you're saying you're trying not to spend any more money than you have to but on the other hand to keep the community safe and and i remember i i think you know we had gotten to i want to say almost 170 officers at at, at one point. And, and, and I know everything is not X number of police because I, I think the department has done a marvelous job and overperformed for years given the resources they have. but yes. if it, it, you know from a business standpoint, when you begin to lay down you, you know there's okay, what have I got to work with versus and to me this is an important question for the community, what would you like to have? what what would you make you feel comfortable? Because I I remember scenarios where sometimes people would tell me, well, I called the police and they were there in 10 minutes. Well, I called the police, they were there in five hours. Neither answer surprised me. Because when you have, you know, if you have insufficient resources, then you're gonna have unpredictable outcomes. How do we get more predictable? I mean, what gives you the resources you need in terms of people, equipment, et cetera?
1: When I first came in 2017, we were authorized 174 officers now in 2022 five years later we are authorized 161 of which four are frozen positions so in reality i can only hire 157 officers that's that's the reality of it instead of going up we're going down but the demand on the police it's more because you know the um because of the, the fund the police mentality and the black lives matter push and all this other stuff legislators imposed new laws on officers for things that we must do and that creates an even longer time for us to complete a call for service so now with less officers that means that you're going to have to wait a lot longer before we can get to you because we have to complete the first call for service comply with all the requirements that the legislation is putting on us and now we can get to your to Your service, oh, big time, absolutely. It's a huge. That's why you know we try to tell people when we take us two hours to get to you. It's not because we don't care about you. It's because truly we cannot get to you.
0: Well, it sounds like somewhat back in the days. I remember. I think the uh, computers in the cars were just you know starting to be more wide widespread, and it eliminated the need. You had to go back to the station, fill out the paper. So it's kind of like you gave each officer back three hours per incident. And it sounds like they took some back.
1: They took a lot back because now, you know, we still have, you know, the technology. We have the computers in the car, which is great. It helps us a lot. But now we have mandates by law that we have to complete. Let me just give you a quick example. Formerly, if I made a traffic stop and I used to be a traffic officer, I still am because I still go out to patrol and I issue citations. As a traffic officer, I would stop you and say, hey, Mr. Donahue, I stop you for speeding. You tell me your reason why you were speeding. i list your citation. We're done. Have a good day. Please be safe. Now, the same situation, I have to activate my body-worn camera. I complete the stop, turn off my body-worn camera, insert all the metadata about the stop into the camera so that it's, uh, it's secured and it's retained. Then I have to complete a form as to why I stopped you. So the ratio... Uh, information and uh, profile act forces me to complete a form that says why did I stop you what did I think he asked me he asked me to uh, anticipate what kind of race were you now if I'm a traffic officer working with radar I'm getting you about 150 200 feet away let's say you're doing 15 at 30 at 50 miles an hour, I don't think I can look in your car and see what kind of a race you are. And on top of that, they asked me to identify whether I think that you are part of the LGBTQ community or not. How am I supposed to know that just by looking at you? I, I don't even see you because all I see is a speeding car. So I have to complete all of that. The reason for the stop, whether I searched you and if I searched you as to why I searched you, if I didn't search you, what was the outcome of the stop? Did I give you a citation? Did I give you a warning? And we have to do that for every single time we detain somebody. So a traffic stop is a detention. You walking down the street at three in the morning coming out of a business that is closed, it's gonna be a detention. So we have to complete all of that every single time. That takes time away from the officers, but they must complete it by law. So we do it. The problem with all of that is that you're waiting for the call for service. So then you're sitting there saying, why is it taking two hours for the police to come to my house? Well, this is why. Then we have to go back, complete the report, complete the notes for the citation, whatever the situation might be. That adds another five, 10 minutes. And if you combine all of that, now a traffic stop, that would take me maybe seven minutes to complete. Now it's 20, 25 minutes for me to do everything that the law requires me to do. And that unfortunately, again, (laughs) forces you to wait for the police. So we need more police officers just to keep doing what we're doing. Right now, we have 137 police officers in the city of Salinas. We should be at a 220. That's the, I know, if you were to ask me, Chief, I'm king for a day. How many officers would you like? I would tell you 220. And, and to which some people would say, okay, why that number? I mean,
0: what, what is it from an operational standpoint? Uh, there's patrol, and then you've got your detectives, you've got under, you know, why that number?
1: If I had 220 officers it's what I would need to keep my city safe. I would be able to augment my patrol force so that you don't have to wait two hours for a police officer to come t- to assist you. I can augment my violent suppression task force so we can go after the drugs on top of the gangs. I can create actually a um, quality of life team that will help. Ha- will handle all these homeless issues that we're facing. Every, every month, on average, we handle about 400 calls for service involving homeless. Each call for service on average, lasts between 20 and 30 minutes. And it requires two officers. So you can imagine you, got, you just lost 200 plus hours of service because we're dealing with the homeless community, which will serve anybody the same way. But that's what it will allow me to do. It will allow me to create a quality of life team that can handle all that so the patrol is free to do what they're supposed to do, which is patrol the city and respond to calls for service. Right now, I have two traffic officers. Traffic, it's a major concern in the city of Salinas. We have pedestrian fatalities. We have vehicle fatalities. I want to put a stop to that. But I can't put a stop to that if I don't have the resources. If I take three or four patrol officers and I put them in traffic right now, I wouldn't have enough to respond to calls for service. We are pretty much a minimum staff in every single day. And that's where, unfortunately, not having enough officers, the people that are paying the price are the people that live in the city. of Well, Salinas. and
0: I think some of the th- things people, you know, people hear X amount of officers, and, okay, uh, Salinas. Now I don't, I don't know if it's divide by three or divide by four these days in terms of, you know, shifts, Yes. Uh, you know that that's one of the things I think people sometimes don't, don't recognize. That t- take whatever number you've got on patrol, divide it by a certain a certain number, uh, and 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 you know so the numbers may not be as quite as big as they might initially
1: sound. It does sound like a lot of people. You figure, hey, under thirty seven cops. Well, you got to account for obviously people being having time off you can't work people 24 7 so you have right now we have three shifts so you got three shifts that you have to fill every single day. You got people on vacation, but more important, you got people on mandatory training. This is not training that's like, hey, you know, Dennis, you want to go to some training? I gladly send you. No, this, the leg- again, the legislation imposed, I want you to be trained on racial bias. I want you to be trained on this. I want you to be trained, on- all mandatory. So I have to account for that training. I must send those officers to that training. In order to send those officers to the training, somebody else has to fill in for patrol. So that dilutes the amount of resources that I have available. I don't have this infinite amount of cops that I can put in there. So that's why our overtime is high. You know, we spend a lot on overtime and people think, oh, well, that's extra money. Well, not necessarily. Yes, it is extra money but people get tired and when people get tired, people get hurt and people make mistakes. And that's the last thing we can afford as police officers to make mistakes. So we have to be very careful when we talk about, let's defund the police, The budget is way too high. They got plenty of cops, not necessarily. So again, talking on data, as I shared with you before we started this, I'm huge on technology because technology speaks for data and I work off of data. I don't work off of narratives because I don't follow narratives. The data tells me what I need to do. And I tell you right now in the city of Salinas with 137 officers, and they're not all assigned to patrol because they're assigned to detectives. They're assigned to the violence suppression task force. They're assigned to traffic. So it's it's not that I have 137 officers on patrol. Right now I have 71 officers on patrol. That's how many you have. Each shift requires a minimum of 12 officers. So right away it's 12, you know, 24, 36 every day. And then, you know, the, the, the next day the shift comes in and so forth and so on. So that's all I have. And that doesn't count for the mandatory training that I was talking to you about. But having all of that, we respond to the same amount of calls for service that the rest of the county does, including all the other cities combined. So we have the same amount. I'm proud to say, and I'm very proud of my officers for that, our priority one calls. So the priority one calls are the emergency calls. The bank robbery in progress. Uh, somebody getting killed. Somebody getting assaulted with a, with a weapon. That's we need to get. A, we need to get an officer now. Our average response time is three minutes. Three that minutes? three minutes. It's our response. Our average response time. That's the same response time that the rest of the county does with twice the amount. Actually, more than twice the amount of officers that we have. So when people tell me that Salinas police officers don't work, they work very, very hard. They definitely, they don't leave anything on the table. They give it a hundred percent every single time. So when we talk about data, that's data to consider. 71 cops on patrol, rest of the county, and just think how many other agencies we have in the county. They respond to the same amount of calls that we do with twice the amount of police officers.
0: Well, and we were chatting before we got on air a, a little bit about technology. And, you know, I made the the comment, uh, you know, have, running an innovation center. You know, sometimes people interpret uh, technology as it's automatically going to replace people. But and and I tell people, no, I wouldn't necessarily make that assumption. It might make allow you to be more effective. Uh, and I was I was really intrigued by you know with the tools you've deployed. Um, you know, and this is something that the public doesn't necessarily think about. But in terms of your measurements, your solve rate has. Uh, just risen dramatically so talk about that and that relationship with uh, you know data and absolutely
1: technology. and uh, as i share with you i'm a huge technology buff so i know that i cannot get 220 officers so i can't just sit back and say well you know what i don't have enough officers so that's not my style so what we do is i look at technology to augment my officers in their work not to replace them but by using technology i can actually reallocate some resources to investigate crimes and solve crimes. So right now, you know, for our homicides, homicides in Salinas, 2022, our solvability is 95%, which is unheard of. The average is about 45%. Usually used to be in the 30s. Now we are at 95%. And the reason why that came about is all the technology that we've implemented. They allow my detectives to be more efficient. And the help from the community. Because what happens is when my officers have more time to just engage the community in a conversation, the community looks at them and goes, Oh, you know what? These are actually human beings. He's actually not as jerk, as much of a jerk as I thought an officer would be. He's actually a pretty nice guy. So by doing that, and they see what we're trying to accomplish. You know, Dennis, we used to be the insalinas. And it's sad to say, but our detectives, we go to people's homes, knock on doors and say, hey, we just had a homicide. Did you see anything? And people would be like, um, I wasn't even home. When in fact, they were home. No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. Now, even before we get to the scene, we have people calling us. Say, hey, I happen to see this car speeding off or I happen to see this. I don't know if that helps you in any way, but this is what I saw. That is a, a huge change. It's a paradigm change. So my officers can follow up on those leads by using the technology available to them, and that's how we solve the crimes. What
0: do you, you know, what I mean, you're you're talking about the difference between your era and my era in terms of voluntary information. What do you, what do you think caused that shift? It
1: goes back to the you know the community policing concept where if you can make the police part of the community, right. where I don't want you know I tell people all the time when you see me, I'm not the police chief. I'm just Roberto. I'm a person that likes to be a police officer and a very good mentor of mine taught me a long time ago. They said, remember, you're not a chief of police. You're a police officer assigned to the office of the chief of police because your first job is to be a police officer, which is to be a public servant. And I tell people all the time, you know, the police department that I work out of, it's not my police department. It's your police department. You just allow me to use it. The office that I work out of, it's not my office that's your office. You just allow me to use it. So that's why I tell people, come and visit. You should be entitled to speak to your police chief whenever you want to. And I, you know, when people call to speak with me, I usually tell them, where would you like for me to meet you? Because I've gone to people's homes because it's more comfortable for them. I'm here to serve them. They're not here to serve me because I'm the police chief. That's just a title. I'm just a police officer that wants to serve its community. And that's what all my officers want to do. We love it when we go on in service and there's nothing going on in the city. Trust me, we don't like it when we have to chase people all the time. We don't love getting into pursuit. None of our officers come to work thinking, oh, today I can't wait until I kick the door in and I get in a fight. None of our cops think that. And those are the people that we're hiring. We're hiring community people.
0: Well, well and you set up my next question and, and knowing it has been a challenge to even if you were authorized to 220 it would be hard to hire 220 yes. so based on everything you're saying does that mean you'll you'll have the latitude and necessity to perhaps you know instead of going to uh, i mean I'll just you know go to San Jose State and look for all the criminal justice folks I mean should you be talking to the psychology folks you know cuz the other thing this kind of sets up in my mind and you mentioned two officers to go deal with homeless and then one of the other things that became part of the narrative is you know you don't need a police officer to serve serve a warrant and you know and former Fremont police chief uh, Peterson said well you know that's an interesting concept maybe between 8 and 5 Monday through Friday but that's not how this deal really really works so uh, is there going to be a new pool or an expanded pool of folks who are candidates to be part of the police and then and then comment a little bit like like i say I know folks talk about social workers, and that's really important, and mental health, and that's really important. But there's still a danger component to all this that really the police have to be on site, I think.
1: So, yes, there is. So, to your point is, one thing that I told uh, all my command staff, regardless of how many officers we have, it doesn't make a difference if we go down to one officer, and I'm the only officer left in Salinas, I will never— Ever lower the standards so that we can hire quantity. We're only going to hire quality because that's what the people in Salinas deserve. They deserve quality service, not quantity. So I'm not going to lower the standards, but we are expanding. I'm looking for people from the community because those are the people that have a vested interest in the community. More than 52% of my officers Come from the community. They went to the same schools that these kids go to. So when they go and they deal with gangs, and people say, "Well, you don't know what it's like." No, I do. I grew up in this city. As opposed to, without being disrespectful, somebody that comes from San Diego. Now is that trend continuing? Uh, 52% it is fifty-two
0: percent, and you get to six. I mean, how do you get? Is, so does that mean the Explorers program is doing a great job? Or? We are.
1: We are investing in the youth. We are investing, you know, in everything that we can to attract local stellar people to come and join us. And I'm not looking for people that have the spotless background, because nobody does. We all have made mistakes. What I'm interested in is, okay, you made the mistakes. What have you learned from that mistake? And what have you done to correct the mistake? Because when people go into people's homes, I don't want it to be judgmental. I don't want my officer to judge anybody. We're there to help people. So even people that made a mistake, we're here to help them. That's why I'm introducing programs that involve the community, such as youth service officers because I want them, you know, youth that made the first mistake, maybe they should shoplift it for the first time. What's the point in putting them in juvenile hall? That's, that's useless. Let's help them. Let's educate them as to why they made a mistake, figure out why they made a the mistake, and help them correct the mistake. So I will continue to focus on people that come within the community, but we are expanding. Yeah, I don't need the administration of justice graduate. I need people that have life experience, people that have common sense. That's what I'm looking for. Now that they go in, it's like, okay, Solution, yeah, we'll take you to jail. No, that's not always the solution. It's okay to give somebody a break. If you stop somebody for speeding, yes, it's okay to educate them. If they understood that they made a mistake and they're not going to do it again, what's the point of giving them a citation? If you can actually have a conversation with them and educate them. That's what I expect my officers to do with situations in general.
0: You, you know, your rookie officer, you know, going back to that comment, uh, You know, in terms of... Uh, the national narrative. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know, because I, semi familiar still with a a number of the departments in Mo- in Mon- Monterey County. I and I and I know you have a lot of admiration for your, for your peers. So so if you're a resident of Salinas or the county hearing this, it sounds like we ought to take a lot of comfort that you know maybe certain things are going on in other parts of the country. But is, uh, I mean. On TV, you'd sound pretty unique, you know, on all the cable shows, but uh, in a good way, not not so much around here.
1: And I got to say, the other chief, and I can speak for the other chiefs because I know all of them, obviously, we all have the same philosophy, very similar philosophy as to we're not looking for the officers they're interested in. So if you want to come to Salinas and if your goal is, to, hey, I'm the officer that wants to kick in doors and arrest people, don't come and apply here. I don't need you. I don't want you this is not the right, the right police department for you because that's not what I'm looking for. So another office, um, other chiefs that I speak with, they all have the same philosophy in, in a different, you know, different way of looking at it. But we, in general, we all we all have the same philosophy because we realize, and I, I learned that early in my career in the first few fights that I got into, I said, I got to do this for 30 years. I don't know if I can last 30 years fighting, fighting my way through people all the time. There have, there has to be a better way. And realistically, when you just take the time to talk to people, so I'll give you a, a quick, quick story. When I first started as a police officer, I'm in training, just came out of the academy and we're in the academy. We're trained, you know, officer safety at all time. People are always ready to hurt you. So I'm driving down the street with my uh, field training officer and he tells me, hey, you see the guy over there? He has a warrant. He's a, he has a felony warrant. So right away, my mind just came out of training. I don't have any experience like, oh, he's a felon. So, okay, let's go contact him. So I stop my car. I jump out of my car with my gun. Police, put your hands up. You know, I'm yelling at him. He hasn't done anything to us, right? We know he has a felony warrant. And my field training officer looks at me and goes, what are you doing? Put that gun away. So we go and contact him. We deal with him. I arrest him for the warrant, take him to jail. And then my field training officer said, look at his criminal history. He has a ton of fighting with officers, resisting arrest, you know, all this stuff. So what I want you to do is go talk to him, find out why he chose not to fight with you. So I was like, I go in and I say, sir, I want to ask you something. I'm a new officer so you can tell. And he told me, he goes, oh yeah, I could tell you're a newbie. I didn't offense, didn't take offense to that because it's true. So I got to ask you just for my own knowledge, I see you have a history of fighting with the police, you know, resisting arrest. Why did you choose not to fight with me? You know, obviously you're a pretty good size person. It would have been a fair fight. You know, I can tell you right now I would have won because I don't fight to lose. And he told me, you know, he told me one thing that stuck with me for the rest of my career. He said two reasons. One, you never stood still, which you you kept on moving around, which really didn't allow me. But the most important, I have no beef with you. You treat me with with respect. And I have no reason to fight with you. You treat me with respect. I knew I had the warrant. I go in and serve a little bit of time. I'll come back out. I've done it all my life. But you treat me with respect and I have no beef with you. And that triggered in my mind, like, wow, that is true. All it it takes, a lot of times, just talk to people. Yeah, even if they are criminals, just talk to them. They know you're doing your job. It's not that they want to, you know, they know they're going to jail, but there's no reason for us to assault them and do whatever. Just talk to them. And if they choose to resist, then we apply whatever force is necessary for them. But a lot of times, when you just talk to them, they know it, and they just comply. And that's what, you know... That's a mentality I carried with me throughout my career yeah.
0: boy what a, what a, what a different uh, backdrop we'd have in the country today of four M- Minneapolis police officers Absolutely. that had thought about that Absolutely. let let's uh let I want to respect your time and let's finish up here and it's not it's not necessarily a one word question, so I want to uh, but you know we were chatting before ahead of time and um, let's talk about uh, how's Salinas doing uh, you know that you know the perception of Salinas. Um, I think it's important to spend a few moments on uh, the fentanyl issue, just from an educational standpoint, because people hear about that and they don't necessarily understand they understand the consequences of it. But how how is Salinas do? I always, I'll tell you a quick story. I always remember uh, you know late Mayor Gunter telling me a story uh, uh, because he inherited this, and I know I was I was in the crosshairs of the perception of uh, you know Salinas being a very Violent City, and, and I always loved the story where he was up in Sacramento. He had to testify for something, and uh, an assembly member said, "Oh, the mayor of Salinas, aren't aren't you the city that?" And and he was waiting for, "Oh, here it comes!" You know the whole gang thing, and they said, "Yeah, you, you do all that interesting ag tech stuff, <laughs> you know." So the ability to change the, I mean, you can you can pay a million dollars for that for that ad campaign, but nevertheless, I I know. Uh, sometimes there are perceptions about our community. Um, Like you said, there's the narrative and there are the facts. So how is Salinas doing and how should folks really look at the
1: community they live in these days? Thank you for that question, because I would like for the people in Salinas to be the first one to change the narrative that Salinas is not a violent city. Do we have violence in a city? Yes, we do, like any other city in the United States of America, unfortunately. There is violence, but don't listen to your police chief. Don't listen to the narrative, you know, left, right. It doesn't make a difference. Go with the data. Look at data. And data shows that our crime trends is on the down, you know, downwards trend. We have lesser crimes than we had before. But we actually, we are less violent than some of the cities around us in the Monterey County. So stop the narrative that Salinas is a violent city. Because when I go places and I introduce myself and I say I'm the chief of Salinas, I do have people that say, oh, wow, you come from a violent city. And I ask them, I say, why would you say that do you have any data that supports what you're saying because i tell you right now we are not a violent city if you just look at our stats just look at the data not data created by me because as a chief of course i can even manipulate the data if you want to this is created by the federal government we have i have no connection to the federal government so i don't manipulate anything but the data shows that we are actually a safer city than most people think Come down on a Saturday morning when we have our farmer's market. You see families out there enjoying themselves. The best, maybe one of the best compliments we received, there was actually a young family from Fremont. Yeah, you know, Fremont is quite far from Salinas. They came to our farmer's market. They enjoyed it so much that now that's their family trip on Saturdays. They drive down because they just love the family atmosphere. They love Seen our officers walking down the street, chit-chatting with people that felt safe. They enjoyed just mingling with people, and that's what they do now. That's what Salinas is today, and that's what people got to keep on reminding people. They say, oh, you're a violent city. I said, no, the data doesn't show that. We are actually a great city. Do we have crimes? Yes, we do. We will continue to fight to keep our community safe, but we are a safe community.
0: Well, and and two two things, just on um, and and it's terrific to hear that. Just on on, on an educational vein, uh, um, I certainly was was concerned when when I heard when we were chatting a little bit about the whole fentanyl issue. Yes. In terms of um, that's that's a challenge throughout the country, and it's it is here as well. What what should the community know about that issue? for us and, and, so in yes our area.
1: fentanyl is a crisis there's no no question that it's an epidemic anywhere in the country it's not just in salinas fentanyl is unfortunately because it's so out of control and the kids don't understand the danger that they're in when they experiment with drugs because nobody sells fentanyl pills nobody goes "Oh, so i'm going to buy a fentanyl pill because i know it's Potent is going to kill you. That's why we have so many youngsters overdosing. Because if you, you go the drug cartel, the cell, the fentanyl, the fentanyl-laced pills, they just toss them in a, um, in a barrel, mix it all up. So one pill gets nothing. One other pill gets 10 times the amount of fentanyl concentration. And you take that pill and you overdose. So we'll continue to. That's why it's important that I have enough officers to keep my community safe. Because if I keep on losing officers, we are very much right now at a almost on crisis mode where I'm, I'm at a point where there are some calls for service we won't be able to respond to any longer. And when Chief McMillan was the chief of police in Salinas, he faced the same type of challenge. He had to collapse all the specialty assignments into patrol because patrol is the first thing that we have to have. We have to respond to calls for service. If I have to... <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, if I have to take my violence suppression task force, take them out of what they're doing and put them back into patrol because I don't have enough officers, that's going to be a failure because those are the people that go after the gangs, they sell the fentanyl. So some of the latest investigation they conducted and I did a press conference about it, we seized 65,000 pills of fentanyls. 65,000 pills is enough to kill half of the city of Salinas. Half of the city of Salinas could have been killed by those pills. In another raid that we did, we seized 25,000 pills. But I'm only able to do it because I'm able to have this violent suppression task force. If I have to take them back to put them on patrol, these people will have free reign.
0: Well, and I think the the other thing that that speaks to, and you mentioned Chief McMillan, and he had to... You know, um, contract the the department, and subsequently, there there was also a spike in homicides. Yes, we did as 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 well. And and I think uh, you know, I, I certainly you know, if I recall a conversation with uh, Mayor Gunter, he 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 thought he pretty much thought that was cause and effect, and and you know, and that's obviously you know the issue that in many respects puts kind of Salinas in in the headlines from time from time to time. But uh, so. This issue of even if it's getting better, uh, you know, and there's a tendency not, to, you know, like, well, we're going to shift the dollars over here. Um, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a bit of a, a danger for the safety of the community. And and, and you chat a little bit about that. Uh, um, you know, d- just because it's getting better doesn't mean we get to shift priorities.
1: That is correct, and that's when you actually you invest even more. Because of the fact that it's getting better, you don't stop what you're doing because it's working. If you stop what's working, you're going to fall back to what wasn't working. And that's what people have to realize. Just because things are getting better doesn't mean that we are crime-free. I don't think we will ever be crime-free. It's just a utopistic way of looking at things. No city is ever going to be crime-free. But because we're able to do what we're doing, let's continue doing it so that we can push the gangs out of the city. We can put people in prison. We can send them away for a long, long time. If I don't have the detectives that can solve those homicides, those families will, are not going to have closure. So we can't stop what we're doing. We saw what happened when, you know, Chief McMillan stopped. He had no choice. So I'm not faulting him for it. Definitely had no choice. But I remember we had a spike. We had 39 homicides. That's a huge number. Never should get to that. So, But that happens when you start taking away. I'll give you a, a quick example. If I, if I was to tell you right now, okay, Dennis, you need to go to LA today. Let's say Los Angeles, okay? You're driving to LA. I tell you right now that between Salinas and LA, there'll be no police officers on the street, no highway patrol, no sheriff, nobody out there. Would you, be, would you be following the speed limit? And I can tell you, 90% of the people, if they're honest with themselves, they're not going to follow the speed limit, right. knowing that there is no repercussion. And that's what we're doing if we stop what we're doing. We're telling the gangs, okay, now we're doing better. Okay, let's take the gangs, you know, the gang funding for those officers. Let's reallocate it to parks, sidewalks, whatever, And which is great concept. But then all of a sudden, if there is nobody holding the gangs accountable for what they do... They're going to take over the city again. And we have to start from scratch. And we've seen what happened with the defunding the police movement in other cities where they lost all their officers. They even offered them almost 50 percent retention bonus. They wouldn't come back. Said, why would I come back to work for you when you didn't support me when we needed? Now, I'm fortunate because my council does support the police department. And I know that because every time I went before them and asked them for resources, they've given it to me. All the technology that I was able to purchase was because they supported. I don't want that to stop. I want my community to continue supporting us so that we can provide what we are providing because ultimately we pay a high price for the job we do and let's not forget that february 25th i lost jd alvarado you know officer alvarado was killed in the line of duty while serving his community this community the salinas community so this is what your officers are willing to do for you so keep supporting us that's that's the only thing i'm asking for
0: one one last uh, comment on issues and you know and I you know I I certainly have always been a big fan of the the department and uh, you know I for six years I got to see firsthand uh, uh, what you just said you know and and uh, and I know I certainly um cer- certainly appreciated and under- understood uh, the the services you provided I but as as we were closing up on how Selena's is doing and we've talked about fentanyl then Kind of the narrative. Go back to what you said, because uh, you know, as I walk around, I hear, as we all do, concern about the homeless, the homeless situation. And so, when when you mention there's certain uh, uh, restrictions on office officers in the city, you know, there's kind of that proverbial. And like I said, you know, should such an interesting word? Well, they should just clean it up. Easier said than done.
1: Oh, very much so. So. As a city, we conduct uh, health safety days where we go and help clean up. And the police department is present. And I'm for, it is very unfortunate that we have so many homeless people or unhoused people. But not all of them is because it's an unfortunate situation because some of them truly do not want the help. So I can tell you within the police department, I've created, you know, I have, my, I have a commander that I put in charge of a mental health uh, unit. And we actually... Partnering with the county where we have a mental health professional available to us So when we go to the call for service that involve mental illness We try to reach out to them first in the sense of a hey, mental health experts You guys deal with it without the police presence, right? But unfortunately, there is a lot of violence that goes on when there is a mental Oftentimes they're armed whether they have a knife or something else You know, that's where the situation is. And a lot of the stuff that we deal with, what people don't realize, the city's been doing a phenomenal job at providing services. We have outreach team, and I'm not talking about we, Salinas PD. We, city of Salinas, have community outreach that they do. uh, Teams that go out there to provide services and provide help. But not all of them are people in need of help. Some of them, these were people that know when they tell us, oh, you're just harassing a homeless person some of them are drug dealers that i tell you right now we know for a fact they drive to the area in the morning they stay in a tent you know distributing their drugs and at night they drive back home where they go and sleep in their home so these are not homeless people these are drug dealers they're taking advantage of the situation and we're not going to stop going after them but the public needs to understand that there is it's a huge impact on the community and also a huge impact on the police department to continue you know addressing those issues because as i said before homelessness is not police it's not a police problem it's a humanitarian problem we have to help these human beings to get out of whatever situation they're in so we all have to work as a as a community to come and help those less fortunate
0: well i we, we've we've talked about a lot of things and uh, you know i i I will certainly share with you that I I I would have loved to have served with you. I I think Selinus is in terrific hands. Um, but you know, sometimes I like to end uh, conversations with, what did I miss? Or or as you as you know, because we both were talking a little bit about you know, occasionally when you still do it, I don't do it as much. You know, you have to give a talk and then you get off stage and like. I wish I had said, so what's your, <laughs> I wish I had said, or I want to make sure Salinas knows.
1: You know, more than I wish I had said, there is one thing that I oftentimes when I speak to the, to the media and at the end say, hey, is there is anything else that you want to say to, to the community. Unfortunately, I never air it, but so thank you for allowing me to say it. it Cause I want to say thank you. A huge, huge thank you to the Salinas community. Because when all this, the the police was going on, all this movement of police being bad and everything the community came together and supported us i cannot tell you how many times every day we will have somebody either dropping off some food dropping off a note i get emails i get phone calls everybody's got my cell phone number so they can call me anytime they want to and i get people texting me saying thank you for what you guys do we support you thank you it's it's just overwhelming we saw when unfortunately we lost you know our officers how the community came together to support us I can never thank him enough because every day when we go out, we know that 99% of the community supports us, and that's what we care about. The other 1%, we're never going to be able to please them, and so be it. As a corporation, if I can please 99% of my customers, I feel that I'm a successful CEO. That's where I look at it.
0: Well, I'll close by following your example, thanking you for your service and your, your time and thank joining you, us. Thank you, sir. And thank our listeners for joining us for... Imagine a great city, and we will be back next week with
1: another episode. Chief, thank you. Thank you.